This is Tales of Times Square, The Tapes. I'm Josh Allen Friedman. I live right, I behave myself, I'm not a bum. I'll never do nothing to make you feel ashamed of me. Understand? I'm fortunate and whatever is on my lung is on my tongue. I don't kid you, I don't think of any stories. Spending a day with Izzy Grove, you get the sense it's a dog-eat-dog world out there in the asphalt jungle. It's February 1983. The 73-year-old ex-fighter is being thrown out of his $60 a month office on 46th Street by the Lowy's Theater Corporation. They knock down his door, they cut his phone. Now, being an office building, you're not supposed to sleep there, and Izzy does. But Izzy can't afford a market rent somewhere else. There's a sense of impending gentrification as the clean-up Times Square efforts of the 42nd Street Development Corporation and the Office of Midtown Enforcement are gaining momentum. For years, they've been scheming to knock down the four corners of 42nd Street at Times Square and, and replace them with corporate skyscrapers. Eminent domain. Out with the old. The development campaign will be ruthless. But... There is sentimental kindness shown by some of the old Broadway crowd who provide Izzy sandwiches and charity. Morris and Jack Rubenstein, owners of the last Howard Johnson's in Times Square, where they used to be five, gives Izzy meals at the counter. He's known them since they opened an Orange Aid stand on Broadway in the 1930s. They never let me go hungry, he says. The Colony Record Store and the Brill Building offered its basement, but was unfit for habitation, and the rabbi from the Actors' Temple on 47th Street offers moral support. Izzy attends the Actors' Temple synagogue up to five times a week to join the required minion, which is ten men which you need to start the prayers. He still goes to the fights every week at the Garden, after a sandwich at Howard Johnson's. I uh, hope that people understand me in a proper light, that this is, I'm a victim of circumstances. One of these odd quirks of happenstance that before mankind. Why don't you fill me in on that, on just the current situation, what's exactly what's happening there? The situation was happening there, when I say I've been in the building for 17 years. For Lowe's Theatres? Lowe's Theatres, the Lowe's said they needed the space, that's why they're, they're throwing me out. And I went to see Mr. Myerson, Bernard Myerson, he's the president of Lowe's Theatres. Mm -hmm. He is a nice fellow. But when I went up the last time to see him to rescind this, they had two, I don't know if they were two plain clothes men or two security men from Lowy's that threw me out of the office at six. Izzy has lived at several hotels in Times Square, including the long gone Piccadilly and the Edison. He works on and off for Madison Square Garden, putting up fight posters around Midtown with a paintbrush and glue. But the jobs have become scarce. For the last 17 years, he's lived in this little office on 46th Street. 
Lowe's Corporation is not even raising his $60 a month rent. They're just throwing him out. Marshalls came to his door. He's only got his apartment until next Tuesday. Nobody, understand? Nobody would uh, say to me, Izzy, uh, I'll help you. Where are they? Jeez, that's surprising that somebody... Where? Didn't... When I made money... They were all there. Hey, free tickets and so-and-so uh -huh. and, -so and uh, fights. And after the fight, you would have something to eat. But uh, to be alone, to be alone is a very, very, a very bad feeling. At 14 years of age in 1924, Izzy Grove from the Lower East Side became an errand boy at the I. Miller Shoe Company on 42nd Street. He told me some salesman tried to bulldoze him, whatever that meant, so Izzy walloped him. Another shoe salesman who witnessed the punch said, Kid, you ought to be a fighter. So the salesman fixed Izzy up at the New York Athletic Club on 59th Street. He had his first amateur fight at New York Athletic Club at 14 years old, where he lost the decision to some fella named Frank Florio. He continued fighting amateur at the Friars Club on 48th Street and at Westchester Country Clubs. As an amateur, he couldn't receive cash, so he won gold medals and watches. And at 16 years old, in 1926, in Far Rockaway, he fought the former flyweight champion, Frankie Gennaro. And Gennaro asked, Kid, you got a manager? Well, said Izzy, I got Doc Ryan and Patsy Pagio, they're working my corner. So Gennaro arranged for some stockbroker named Harry Klein to sponsor him. The stockbroker handed Izzy's parents a $25 contract. They couldn't read, but they signed an X, and Izzy turned pro at 16 years old, and he became known as the Ghetto Avenger. The Ghetto Avenger claims he scored the first knockout at the old Madison Square Garden. He beat former lightweight champion Jimmy Goodrich, and in June 1929, Izzy was the cover of Ring Magazine. But truthfully, uh, uh, then I uh, couldn't get all this Harry Klein, couldn't get the big fight, so he cut in a guy from the, uh, a gentleman, shouldn't call him a guy, Nat Rogers and Lou Briggs, who were the assistants to Tom McArdle at that time at the Madison Square Garden, was located on 49th Street and 8th Avenue. Uh -huh. Well, uh, he was able to uh, get me uh, a shot against uh, a, a middleweight heavier than me, a name called Harry Evans at the Yankee Stadium. Uh, the night Tommy Lockman for Jimmy Braddock for the World's Light Heavyweight Championship. There was a crowd of about 40, 50,000 people. What year was that? About? 1929. I beat him. It was a very close fight. They rematched us for Singer and Chalkin at the Polo Grounds. I lost a split decision. Then I had a couple of more fights, and I fought. Uh, but basically, if I, if I didn't, I won repetition. What were your I title scored, shots? Huh? Did you have title? I couldn't title? fight title. I was only started at 14 years of age. I quit boxing. I was 21. Huh. I said, how can I hold the title? I was a kid. That time you had to be 18 or 21 years of age before you you could fight for 15 rounds for a championship. I but could these fight were professional 10 professional fights, though. Yeah, these were all pro fights. 
Sure. Then when I lost all my money in the market, I had no desire. What did you lose it on? You remember? Yeah. I uh, got signed. Allegheny Corporation, General Motors, United Corporation. What killed me was the Bank of U.S. The Ghetto Avenger fought 71 pro bouts, mostly as a welterweight, between 1926 and 1932. He won 35 fights, he lost 30, 10 by knockout, and had seven draws. He fought names like Danny Irish Fagan, Gorilla Jones, Vince Dundee, Hilario Martinez, Augie Pisano, and says he boxed the legendary Kid Chocolate, but that fight is not in the records. He did fight at Yankee Stadium, the Polo Grounds, Ebbets Field, and the St. Nicholas Arena. He fought European middleweight champ Ignacio Ara in Havana, Cuba, his only fight outside of the United States. Ara won on points. But after losing six fights in a row, Izzy hung it up in 1932. At the age of only 21, six losses in a row, retired at 21, the best welterweight in New York? Something didn't square with that. Something sounded amiss. Well, one thing I want to say to you now, I want to pinpoint one thought. And quote me, yesterday's cheers have a very short echo. Say that again. Yesterday's cheers, cheer, have a short echo. Because when I was making money, it was a different story. I helped people, helped former fighters. I did, but I, I was so broke, I didn't have nothing. I was very hungry. I starved. So I know the benefit of saving a few bucks. Uh, I'm 73 years of age. I never convicted of a crime or a felony. I know my place. I know my place in society. I have 60 grandchildren, I hate to sound repetitious, but they are treasures. Sure. My two sons, my two daughter-in-laws, I see them occasionally. If I had a car, I'd be able to see them more, more easily. Izzy's children are nowhere to be found during this eviction crisis. He is on his own. But Broadway has always offered opportunities for thousands of Small fry hustlers and bookies and wannabes scratching out a hard dollar. Telephone booth Indians was the phrase coined by A.J. Liebling. Those are guys who look like Bud Abbott with fedora hats and cigarettes dangling from their lip, cutting deals in telephone booths. Grove made a living for himself booking ballroom dances at ballrooms for cut-rate prices when these halls failed to book a more substantial event and had an open night. In the early parts of their careers, he booked Lionel Hampton, Duke Ellington, and Billie Holiday at hotels and dances, which they'd play in the early evening before a better gig at the Cotton Club. I've seen Izzy's name in the trade publications of the time, Billboard and Variety, but even as a booking agent, Izzy couldn't quite make that good a living. My first office was here in the Gaiety Building. The Gaiety Building, which 1547 Broadway. Is that the one they knocked down recently? Yeah, that's the Gaiety Building. How do you feel about that being knocked down? Well, it's a, I mean, it got a landmark that got me upset. Then I moved into the Bond Building here. The Bond Building entrance was on Broadway. I had desk space, paid $15 a month. I was in, I wasn't a, a spectacular vernacular guy. I was making 11. This was an extracurricular activity. I couldn't make a living, Mr. I had no attractions. I wasn't the Music Corporation of America or General Amusement or William Morris Office. 
these are the three key boogers in the business. The rest is all amateur night indexing. And I ran dances. Uh -huh. Lionel Hampton, Billy Holiday in concert. Uh, Riverside Plaza, Sydney Dodgy Broadway, Manhattan Center, St. George Hotel in Brooklyn. I made, I made money and I was able to, my wife, Alice Grove, was an invalid. And it cost me a lot of money. Doctors, Dr. Charles Plotz, he's with the Mount Sinai Hospital, he still is, arthritis man. Uh, but my wife, instead of me, me opening up a pool room, driving a taxi, being a tough guy, being a Charlotte, I went into this booking business. Uh -huh. Izzy was morally conflicted, and his protestations proclaiming he was never a Shylock, a bookie, or a tough guy, quick to use his fists, seemed a little exaggerated. Nobody ever asked him. He often visited Variety, the weekly showbiz newspaper whose little office was on his block, to check up on his tiny ads for dances. Considered a nuisance, he got into a fist fight with the production manager one day in the late 1970s. After the old Variety office was demolished, Izzy made one visit to the new corporate-style headquarters on Park Avenue South. He took one look at the entrance, then turned around, never to return. But you see, I was licensed and bonded. I had a franchise from the American Federation of Physicians, number 1662. Uh, I uh, never was on the affair list. Many a time uh, I booked a band I had a, if I couldn't fight, I wind up getting paid off with, uh, with nothing. Understand what the being is, uh, I know we're living in an age where class and brains were predominant, not brawn. On the streets of Times Square, brawn could sometimes be much more valuable than brains. Izzy could still bang. He took out three muggers on the subway in 1983 and made the New York Post. Well, let me tell you something. Uh, I was riding the subway, uh, coming from the St. George Hotel, understand? A couple of guys, one gets, sits next to me here, one over here, and then one they go through my pockets. I got up, understand? I says, uh, what, what are you doing? Well, I won the first fella, the first guy, I hit a left hook. Understand? Down he went. Second guy was a little tougher. It took me three or four punches to belt them out. Uh, the cops on the trains, understand? Went through the trains, they couldn't find the, the guys, understand? Two. One black one, maybe Spanish. Now you can believe me, I can take care of myself. One right. guy, one, yes. But not two or three. Not two or three. I got a piece of my pocket in case I do need it for more than one fella, but uh, I'm not looking for no. I'm not looking for trouble. I want a piece. No, I got a knife blackjack. I like a knife that uh, let me alone. Yeah. I don't look for nothing. But there's one thing I'll tell you. I'm not looking for trouble. I don't want to. Who the hell wants trouble? If people are afraid to come in. I'm in my office at night. If I'm out in the garden, even the garden, I leave before it gets too late. I leave at 10 o'clock. Mm -hmm. 
9.30, I leave. It starts at 7.30. Three hours is, uh, uh, two hours is enough. You walk back home? Real walk back home. Take I, a cab? No, no, I, I'm no cab driver. I take the 8th Avenue bus to, to 46th Street, and I walk a block, understand? Oh. I walk in the middle of the street. I don't walk on the sidewalk, I walk on the gutter. I asked the standard question that I asked all Broadway old-timers. What did they think of their beloved old Broadway becoming a porno wasteland? When you notice it started turning turning into a porn, more of a porn place, which it especially is now, how do you feel about that? Have you ever been into any of these porn stores? You check out, see what they got in there? I don't bother with that. Have you ever been in one? No, never. How do you feel about that? It has been an answer to a great city like New York, and as I remember uh, reading two columns, this is the greatest city in the world. It's disgraceful, it's distasteful, and it's not uh, polite society. I was a family man, and I'm still a grandfather, and I'm still uh, have, I keep my hand up in the air because my self-respect is not for sale. Your self-respect is not for sale. Positively, I don't have. To. I had propositions to me given to me by many a person. Now, like what? What would be some that you would have turned down to, because of that self-respect? Being solicitor for crap games, tight numbers, money. Uh, be a steer for Sherlock. My wife is gone since 1964. My wife made me. Instead of being a tough guy, a Sherlock or a racket guy, my wife said, Izzy, you want to be smart? Do it the right way. Behave yourself and people respect you and you'll always get by. Understand? Thank God you quit boxing in time. Now look, I quit boxing not because I couldn't fight no more. I lost all my money in the stock market and I crashed in 1929. I had no desire. The question remains as to why Izzy quit boxing when he lost all his money in the stock market. At the prime age of 21, you'd think he'd want to go back in the ring and make more money. Nevertheless, Izzy remains very close to the boxing world at Madison Square Garden. He goes to the fights every week and he'll tell you about it here. So I get there about 7 o'clock to talk to people, you know, you meet people. You must know hundreds of people. Everybody. Everybody knows Izzy Grove. Now, uh, to attain the reputation, you can't get mixed up. I'm going to mix up. I walk in the garden, I walk in, I got Thank you. See? Thank you. They're walking with pride, with dignity, nobody. Can argue with you, you understand? Uh -huh. I, uh, I wash up before I go, I comb my hair, you understand? I, uh, uh, I don't tell anybody my trouble, they know, you understand? I live right, I behave myself, I'm not a bum. I'll never do nothing to make you feel ashamed of me, you understand? I'm fortunate, whatever is on my lung is on my tongue. I don't kid you, I don't segment stories. I don't need no money. I need friends, understand? I need friends, I need somebody I can lean a shoulder on. 
Sure, if I wanted to, uh, uh, to uh, I can go ahead and wait for a lot of 50 bookmakers and uh, ticket hustlers. You can't do that because I'll tell you why. If I get a pinch. See, I'm licensed, bonded, and fingerprinted when I got my license to book, uh, book, uh, to book acts. You have to be licensed. You say if you get a pinch, then what? If I get a pinch, you're out. Because you can't uh, be a tough guy. You can't... Uh... I made the rounds with Izzy. We stop before the actor's temple. When the light is on, the rabbi is in. He's not the easiest guy to get along with, says Izzy. We stop before the Edison Hotel, where... O'Calcutta is playing its endless revival for tourists. Izzy ran lonely heart stances here at the ballroom. All the fighting champs stayed at the Edison. It was three blocks from the old garden. And Izzy says he created the over 28 division of dance nights for lonely hearts at the Edison ballroom. A coterie of elder bellhops surround the ghetto avenger in the lobby of the Edison Hotel. I'm going to say aloud the conversation, which is a bit muffled here. How long you know Izzy Grove? Izzy asks the shortest one with a carbuncle on his nose. 25, 30 years, answers the bellhop. We go back at least that long. Now what fighters have we seen go through this lobby? Another bellhop inquires, then answers himself. Jack Dempsey, Maxie Bear, Boomer Wilson, Benny Leonard. We seen them all. What killed Max Kramer? Asks the pimple-nosed hop. Between you and I, now we're gentlemen. Aggravation, answers Izzy. No, too much sex. A chippy over the old Lincoln Hotel. Boomba da boomba da boomba goes the little bellhop smacking his fist. This is my family. These are my friends. Understand, says Izzy, a hanky to his eye. Gentlemen, you deem me the privilege of being in your company. I live right. I behave myself. I'm not above. I'll never do nothing to make you feel ashamed of me. Instead of being a tough guy, you shout out a ragged guy. My wife is Izzy. You want to be smart? Do it the right way. Behave yourself and people respect you. I quit boxing not because I couldn't fight them. I lost all my money in the stock market and I crashed in 1929. I had no desire. My self respect is not for sale. My self respect is not for sale. My self respect is not for sale. He keeps repeating that even though nobody ever asked. But was it? Decades after Tales of Times Square came out, I started to wonder about the Ghetto Avenger. Why did my old boxing coach, who had once been Joe Lewis's corner man, turn his head when I asked about Izzy Grove? The boxing racket was run by gangsters from Murder Incorporated fixing the betting odds. Could they have wined and dined Izzy with movie stars at nightclubs and fixed him up with blonde, blue-eyed shixes, the kind of which he'd never seen on the Lower East Side? Promised him all the dough in the world, promised him a championship if he just took one dive first. Let himself be knocked out, lead with his chin so that he ended up with his face broken in three places, and that everybody who saw it knew it, that he took a dive. And then as he lay bleeding, was told to get lost by the mobsters who set him up. 
Well, that's one urban myth that I heard. Pure hearsay. We'll never know. But here's Izzy all these years later, still mourning the loss of his pride and dignity. Izzy was going to show me his scrapbook of Damon Runyon articles, but he became paranoid when I tried to reach him next. Didn't want to meet. I couldn't find him. I never heard from or about him again. <laughs> 